Welcome to the Press Conference Podcast, where we bring you the pressing information nobody asked for. I'm Dave, and I'm here with my co-host, Phil. How's it going, man? Pretty good, man. How about you? Yeah, doing well, doing well. It's um, two weeks now since we released our last episode after after a few weeks. Um, we recorded on the Tuesday. Uh, this is dropping two weeks ago, and then you flew up to Sydney the day after. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it was a good, uh, good few days. How'd you find it? Yeah, Sydney is not a place I would want to live. It's good to visit, um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was awesome to come up and and spend some time with you. Hit some stores, hit some bar me. Oh, how good was, how good this. were those pork rolls? <laughs> oh, I'm actually too scared to have another one just so I don't have to compare them. I um I'm actually going to go back in a few weeks. I think. Um, I'm going to try and organize a, a visit with work. So, uh, <laughs> hopefully no one from work hears this. So <laughs> they say that he's only gone to <laughs> top ride to get a pork roll. <laughs> well, I'd go again for sure. Um, but yeah, what, what, what have, um, you got any pickups lately? Yeah. Uh, so we popped to a couple of stores. We hit, hit up beat disc in Parramatta yep. and scrolling through the, the racks there, the punk section, and I grabbed a copy of um, Yak by Angel Dust. Yeah, and I nice. was not ex- was not expecting it, and then we spun it twice that afternoon, and it's it's so good. So I'm still on that run. I actually think that album. I know in our last episode when we brought up the um, the pressing suggestion or feature album, uh, you picked that uh, their previous album to that, and I actually think Yak is better. Like now that I've listened to them both, I think it's just so chill and so good. And I, and I loved it. Yeah, they're almost two different bands, though. Hundred percent. Yeah, uh, like the punkiness of um, "Rock the Fuck On," but um, yeah, Yaks is chill. You can put it on at any time. So yeah, good. really enjoyed that. What about you? Um, so my most recent pickup, I um, got a delivery on Friday. I nearly went a full week without getting a delivery, so we were nearly there. But um, surprise. I got a uh, the tour variant, the gold nugget of um, Thornhill's heroin. Um, our friend Tom picked Ooh. it up at the show in Melbourne because I couldn't yep. come to the Sydney one. And um, yeah, I got that and it looks great. Probably one of the best gold nugget variants I had. Awesome. Have you spun it yet? Uh, no, I haven't spun that uh, yet. Um, but he did actually also include a copy of It Comes and Goes by Dream One Dreamer. We, we covered yeah. it last step. Uh, I actually had a copy, you know, before I even started collecting vinyl. And then when I got a vinyl player, a record player, uh, spun it and there was heaps of skips and it didn't really work. And uh, apparently that was common for that press. So I actually gave yeah. it away uh, to a mate um, who probably just wouldn't spin it, but just collected vinyl. Um, yeah. So I was like super surprised when um, when Tom included that. So I was pretty stoked. Yeah, Tom's a legend, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. So um, as part of the Sydney trip, we also hit up Resist on the yeah. Saturday. Yeah, and wow, what a store! Um, I that was your away. first time, right? Yeah, yeah. How'd you first find time. it? It was overwhelming. Like there was so much stuff. I could have walked away with like spending a thousand dollars, I reckon, almost. Well, I, I remember when you were coming up and we were organising to go, and you know we were hitting up lunch afterwards with a few friends, and yep. you asked like, "How long will we need?" And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, a few hours to be frank." And I think we spent a few hours there. And we yeah, didn't we, even probably, I probably, we could have spent longer. <laughs> yeah, I could have definitely 
dug a bit a bit harder, I think. But yeah, I came away with some uh, some goodies. So I came out with the uh, you and I complete discography. Yeah, came out a few years ago, and Snapcase's first album, Looking yep. Glass uh, Self, Looking Glass Self, and a couple of others. But um, yeah, it was awesome to to finally step foot in the store. Yeah, I actually um, didn't want to buy anything that day. <laughs> and I ended up walking away with, I think, three or four records, as you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of those was um, Little Greenhouse by Anxious. I know I've been yep. talking to you a lot about them recently, but like this isn't my pressing my pressing uh, suggestion this week, but everyone should go listen to that album because it's incredible. Yeah, I listened to it last night and it's growing. It's great. I think it's it's... I think it just came out at the start of the year. It came out, I think, like a week before Cult of Luna came out. And at that time, I was listening to a lot of like heavy, dark stuff. Yeah. And I think when that dropped, it just probably wasn't what I was gravitating to at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I've probably gotten out of, not out of this like kind of dark, heavy, you know, gloomy kind of sound of what I'm listening to at the moment, but, you know, spring's here in a few days. Uh, it's a perfect album for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we should get into pressing suggestions and speaking yeah. of, of do, that. Do you, want, so, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'll kick us off. So um, mine should be no surprise. I've uh, if you if you know me, if you've spoken to me, you probably be aware of this this band. I I found them late last year. Yeah, they're a punk hardcore band uh, from the US. And they released an album in May. Do I know this one? Of course I know this one. Yeah, you should, because it's praise. Oh, fuck, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So these guys are awesome. Um, They're just straight up. They're pretty much just straight up punk, but their earlier stuff is a a bit more in the hardcore kind of hardcore realm. The new album's so good. Um, The... The album before that is awesome, so we picked that up off the Death Wish. Do they only have the two albums, or do they got more? They've got two EPs beforehand that haven't been press uh, released. I haven't listened. Can you not get them on streaming or anything? Um, I picked them up off their Bandcamp. Okay, I need to check that out because yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I've listened to those. It's a bit harsher, but it's still really good. Yeah. Um, the two albums are produced by Brian McTernan. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite song on the album has Brian McTurner as a feature. That is a good um, track. That that is a track that I listened to a bit off that album because of him. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, so the um, yeah, the two songs I'm going to suggest are "Limited Sense of Possibility" and "Hotline to Memory." Yep. But there's also an honorable mention, which is a um, a Husker Do cover called "Keep Hanging On." Um, yeah, that is awesome. So, funny story when when. Jeremy had Jeremy Baum had Brian on his podcast, mm-hmm. or and the singer of um, Praise on his show at the same time. Yeah. <clears throat> no, two weeks in a row, one, nice. one after the other. Yeah, and Jeremy goes, "Keep hanging on" is like the best song of the year. It was his number song of the year, and he had to get corrected and said that's actually a Husker Do cover. And he's like, "Oh, wow. that makes so much sense," but it is a ripping cover. So. Yeah. Get on that. That's going to be pretty high on my interview list, I think. It's another album that I listened to the single because Brian was on it. And obviously, yeah. as you know, if you listen to this pod before, you know, we love him <laughs> and, and be well. I think he's got a great voice. Um, 
but I haven't listened to the rest of the album as much as I have their previous album, which I do really enjoy. Yeah. So I definitely need a, to give it a listen. Awesome. So uh, my uh, you know pressing suggestion or feature album this week comes with a bit of a story, um, as everything does with me. <laughs> I tend to talk probably a bit too much sometimes. Um, but it's a story about Casey, and I know we've spoken about them quite a few times, especially on our Melodic Hardcore episode. Um, but last week in my sad boy hours, I was listening to a lot of Melodic Hardcore, as I tend to get down that kind of binge of it. And I always end up with Casey because they've got probably, as you know, I love a closing song. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, Morning is one of my favorite songs probably in, in general. And I was listening to that and that album finished and I think it was like midnight on a Tuesday and I'm sitting on my couch, not, no telly on, just sitting there <laughs> listening to, uh, it was, it's quite a sad story. Um, but I put on <laughs> Casey Radio um, on Apple Music and I don't usually listen to like radio on Apple um, or at all really. I'll just normally listen to what I've, what I know and what I've been recommended and a few bands came up and this was one of the four bands. And I know I told you about these bands that I found and I know you knew a few of them, Uh, but one of them that probably stood out to me the most um, was a band called Acres Mm -hmm. and the album is called Lonely World. Did you end up giving it a listen? Yeah, I gave it a listen on Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. what do you think? Yeah, it was really good. I'd actually had it saved in my Spotify library Nice. From from earlier, I don't know yeah. when, but I hadn't actually gone through and, you know, you just save stuff yeah. that you want to listen to. Um, so I'd saved it and it's really good, really yeah. solid. I thought it's interesting one. And the reason I picked this compared to the other three that I started listening to was although I found it on KC Radio and they do have elements of that like new age melodic hardcore sound, I think it was just the balance of the whole album that I really mm-hmm. liked. It almost felt a bit like... You know, they had that melodic hardcore bits in the album, but they also had just general alt rock, emo yeah. rock, whatever you want to call it, right? And, you know, I was trying to think about who I would kind of put them in the same category as. Um, and I probably their, their softer songs I'd put in the same category as like a Day Seeker or a Holding Absence. And I know that's a big thing to make because they're both great bands, but I really do think that instead of being, you know, a rock band that sometimes gets into that metalcore sound or something. The fact that they go into that melodic space, I think just makes me um, really excited. And it's a great album. Um, a re- really great album. Yeah. The holding absence uh, comparison is a good one. I think Yeah, you've got that not in only in like the vocals, but in like the melody and the way the songs yeah. kind of build and flow. I think they work really well together. Yeah. So if I had to recommend two songs, I'd pick Be Alone, the third track on the the album, um, which is followed right up with the um, the title track, Lonely World. Both great songs back to back and you get a bit of everything. So yeah, that's mine for the week. Go listen to it. Beautiful. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Because I think this is the second week now we've done this. And the first week we actually got quite a few hit ups about people that had listened to them. So please let us know what you think. Moving on yeah. to the pressing topic for the week. We're there. I feel like I keep talking. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, it's okay. No. It's, a, it's a podcast. We're supposed to talk. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really keen for this one. I think it's the it's the biggest band that we've done or covered since we started the pod. And to be honest, you know, we've been talking about when do we do one of these big bands that we, we love because really like who the fuck are we? We're just two guys talking about (laughs) some bands. And, you know, when we think about covering a band like this, it's a bit of a big one. Um, But we thought, fuck it, let's give it a go. 
Yeah. So, you know, this band, I think everyone who's listened has probably at one point in their life, even if it's now or back in the day, has probably had a love for this band in one way or another. Uh, if you haven't, I don't know what you're doing in the early 2000s, but that's all right. That's that's yeah. that's, that's that's on you. But um, this band, they've been around for a while. So they formed in 1992. They've technically had a name change. I don't know if that's going to come up later. Um, they've released eight albums, two EPs, two splits, three demos, two compilation albums, with one of them arguably being one of the best of all time. I'm, I'm going to say that now. Ooh, okay. um, but the pressing topic today is Blink-182. So Blink, Blink-182 or Blink-182? How do you say it? I just call them Blink-182. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I know there was, um, we got confirmation a few years ago, right, with how to say it, but I think I've erased it from my memory because it wasn't Blink-182, so yeah. <laughs> I'm not changing how I say it anytime soon. <laughs> we'll probably just, I'm going to keep it with Blink. It's going to be easy, I think, but I don't know how, much, how, many, how many times we'll actually say I don't want to cut your lunch, but they they change your name, mate. You can't keep calling them that. <laughs> what they change it to? Change it to Blink One Eight Two. Okay. <laughs> All right, Blink One Eight Two. They were formed in August nineteen ninety two in yep. San Diego, California. Yep. Uh, Tom got expelled from school. Had to move to another school, and that's where he um he had to go to another school for a semester because he was drunk at a high school basketball game and got expelled. This is great, by the way. And I I think I just want to highlight as well, this is the first time Dave and I have gone into a topic and we both haven't done our own research. Um, I obviously know a little bit about what might come up, but Dave is telling me a story as well. So, uh, I mean, I already loved that. I didn't know that. So that's great. (laughs) Yeah, so... That's how he. Um, that's how he met Scott, the original drummer, Scott. Yeah. Scott Rayner. Um, they performed in a battle of bands together, and then they became friends with um, a guy named Kerry Key. Who introduced? Am I meant to know who that is? No, he was just um, dating Mark Hoppus's sister, and that's how they met. Oh fuck! Really? That's yeah. Cool. So um, they both bonded over bands like The Descendants, Black Flag, those. Yeah, like 80s punk rock bands, emo bands, yep. and then um, they got together with Scott and recorded Buddha. Um, they Conquerinus, Sheshia, Cat, and Dude Ranch. So then, so they made those first three albums and the first EP. Yeah, which we're not going to kind of really talk about all that much <laughs> because it's pretty garbage, and all the songs are in Buddha anyway. Yeah. Um. So while they were touring, um, Scott had a few personal issues. Yeah. Became really like an alcoholic trying to get rid of his personal issues and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, he like promised the band that he'd go to rehab and stop drinking and clean himself mm. up. 
then the next day, um, Mark and Tom kicked him out of the band, fired him. That's brutal. So you can actually see um, Scott in the Josie uh, film clip and the Eminem yeah. film clip. So he's yeah. playing drums in that room. Um, it's that film clip with, uh, what's her name from Charmed? Fuck, no idea, I know, I know which, I know which one you're thinking of, but I yep. couldn't tell you the name to save myself right now. Yep, me either. Um, so after that, they'd become through their touring of Sheshi Cat, um, and Dude Ranch. They become friends with a band called the Aquabats. Have you heard of the Aquabats? I have heard about the Aquabats. <laughs> yeah, not. I'm not a fan, but neither neither am I. Was I? Are they still there? Surely not. No, Travis is a drummer. So yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah. So he filled in, and he um he actually uh, learnt apparently learnt the twenty song set list in forty five minutes before the first show in uh, in ninety eight. I had actually read that tidbit before, and I've got a question for you on that. Yeah. How hard do you think that would be as a blink drummer up until, you know, dude range? To learn well, 20 songs? 20 blink songs. Like, I'm not... Yeah. They Pretty all sound... complex like... drums. You reckon? Songs. That uh, early? Yeah. Sometimes. I don't think they got that complex until after dude range. Possibly, but for anyone to learn 20 songs in yeah, that's 45 true. minutes is pretty... You couldn't even listen to those 20 songs in 45 minutes. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be... We'll send that to Mythbusters. Yep. Um, so by July... So like two months later, Travis was in the band full time. So actually, let's just back up a, a tiny bit. Yeah. What, what do you think the original drummer is saying to himself now? I guess 20 years on. Um... 20 years on longer than that 25 years on 25 years on that's a that's that's a tough break he'd be pretty flat but i don't even know if he did stop drinking and clean himself up so that was the problem like they they couldn't he couldn't be in the band because he just wasn't wasn't functioning yeah wasn't able to perform that's rough i actually knew that he was an existing old member but there isn't a lot on him when you when you look up so it's I hope he's all right. <laughs> but, yeah, me too. Um, I think it'd be like, it's just one of those things, like hopefully it straightened him out. If he had a, like you look at punk in that era, like it was party time. So if you, I mean, yeah, if it was almost any other drummer too, he might've had a chance to come back in the band <laughs> when, yeah, when, when arguably one of the best drummers of our generation takes over. It's pretty tough to think you yeah. could come back. Yeah, so by um, so by July, Travis had joined the band full time, and then like three months later, they went into the studio to to record Enema of the State. Uh, once Enema came out, it like it just was everywhere. You couldn't escape it. I think that album, though, and I will talk to the albums later. But how could you escape that album? Really, you couldn't. I mean, fuck. How old was I? I was a baby when this came out. Not quite, yeah. but I was very young. But I still remember like the singles off that album, arguably, and still probably some of the biggest singles I've had. Definitely. And that's that's their first major label album. So they had the money 
yeah to to make the clips like there's a huge jump oh. in quality from dude ranch to to enema yeah even like getting the uh the porn star for the cover like that yeah. whole theme um still really cool artwork as well still holds up i think it's just like oh yeah it's iconic it is iconic um, and i think I mean, we can talk about the mu- nah, we'll talk about the music later. I've got thoughts, yeah. I've got comments, but I'll hold them. But like, it just they're on radio, they're on MTV, they're on yeah. Rage, they're on TV hits. Yeah. Like if you're in Australia, like I was it was '99, I was in grade six, about to hit high school. Like it's just one of those, yeah, things that like perfect time, perfect place, perfect time for me, especially. Yeah. Um, they um were produced so Jerry Finn produced Enter of the State. Yeah. So he actually um produced Take of Your Pants and Jacket as well. Um so he was like the middleman, like the parent for the band okay. at the time. And actually um there's a quote I have somewhere. Um he just he was like the the fourth member. He helped out smooth all the tensions and really polished that. Yeah. multi-platinum sound that they've got yeah they okay. had at the time and they he didn't do it he only did the two albums did he yeah damn so he didn't come back for um the self-titled um so when they were recording take off your pants and jacket um that's where the the tension started to build between especially uh mark and tom yeah so mark was looking for like heavier sounding riffs Listen to a lot of U two and stuff like that, and was just yeah, just looking to take a bit of a different direction. Yeah, um, so that kind of led into Boxcar Racer. Yeah, and the reason I bring up Boxcar Racer is that's that came out just after Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, and it was recorded after afterwards. Yeah, but um, Tom, sorry, Tom was going for the heavier sounds. Tom yeah. got Travis to play drums on it, so he didn't yeah. have to like get a studio studio drummer, but didn't ask Mark to do anything. And oh fuck, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that caused a riff in the rift in the band. Okay. And um, yeah, so Mark has kind of never really let go of that because oh. for whatever reason. But um. Even though Tom said he's like he didn't leave him out intentionally, all that kind of stuff. He just wanted to to kind of do this, and Travis is a drummer. He needed a drummer, and yeah, got him to record. But um, yeah, so that's that's where the kind of tension started before leading into the self titled album album yeah. that came out in two thousand three. Yeah. Um, in between, take off your pants and jacket and self titled. The guys' lives changed a lot. They they all became parents, and it kind of explains a little bit of the the maturity in sound, and lyrically and all that. Kind in self titled, yeah, in self titled. Yeah, so that's a pretty deep record. Like when when listening back, yeah, it's it, you can tell the jump is is yep. massive. Like where take off your pants and jackets, there still was that element of seriousness and kind of maturity, but it was still at the raw essence, still like you know a fun Blink album, right? Yeah, but you can really tell in self-titled that they've just kind of stepped it up, and it's it's a great album. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it landed a bit like Thrice's Visu, divided yeah. a lot of people, but um, is a really good record, and that's um, 
yeah. So they toured self-titled for like two years, two and a half yeah. years, and then that's when they called the indefinite hiatus, which was a sad day. I remember, I remember that. Mm. I was still, I was a kid then, and this was one of my favorite bands, right? Yeah, that was pretty. Me brutal. too. It was, it was a tough day because you think, well, I was, I was still in high school, so like year ten, they just toured. Yeah, like saw them twice in like six months, mm. and like on top of the world like we've seen our favorite band like there's there's only what the only way is up and yeah. then they call the hiatus and you're like oh man these these bands are supposed to be around forever yeah um but yeah it's, it kind of came from the the boxcar racer drama and and tom wanting to um prioritize his family life so he was um yeah he wanted to to spend some more time with his family Mm-hmm. Just prioritize that rather than the band, and they'd been a band for twenty-one years at that point. Oh no, eleven years. Sorry. 20. Oh man, come on, relax. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, they went on hiatus, and then uh, four years later, they appeared at the two thousand nine Grammys and announced that they were they were coming back. Before we get to that. And I don't remember this as much because I didn't get into this band until 2007. But mm-hmm. when Angels and Airwave started, was there much angst around that? That in regards to Blinks descended, Angels comes out what about a year and a half after touring, yeah, um, self-titled. I don't remember that time as much. But was there anything like that? I don't think so, and nothing that I kind of read alluded to that. Okay, but um, it was just. Tom and like some other mm. members. So it was like they're off doing their own thing. Plus 44 started that time as well. So yeah, it's true. So Which how good is plus 44? <laughs> so good. Um, so those two bands kind of like went on their own trajectories so they could like kind of explore those, those sounds and, and projects separately, which I kind of think like it, may have helped them coming back. Yeah. So, I don't know. But, um, so late in 2010, they announced uh, Neighbourhoods was coming out. Yeah. Uh, So, the tension was still there. Like, it was was unresolved. I don't think they even really got over it. Yeah. Um, They toured until 2015 until Tom left again. Which I remember that, and that was also quite a sad day. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember seeing that they played that big day out in Australia, yeah. and then that was really the last kind of tour, right? And then they got back to America and caught it, like not mm-hmm. long after. Yeah, it was pretty close after. And like it was Tom saying he wasn't able to commit. There's lots of stories about he, Tom was only happy when the money was coming in and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I remember when Neighbourhoods got announced, we were like... The hype was the hype was there. Yeah. And you like I know we'll talk about it, but do you like that album? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave it to later. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so um Tom left, he said he was unable to commit to the band. And then um Travis let leak in like twenty nineteen, saying that Tom actually left the band to pursue his company to the stars. Academy of Arts and Sciences, which yeah. is dedicated to investigating UFOs and the man loves aliens. 
Yeah. I think um, his episode of Joe Rogan. Have you listened to that before? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Fantastic. But he's batshit crazy, but I loved it. <laughs> yeah. But like, I think he's got a, like a like a two series, two season show on like History Channel, like with UFOs and, and all sorts of stuff. So we listen to Angels and Airwaves half that. It's, he's talking about it all the time, really. Yeah, he made a sci-fi movie. Like, yeah, good on him. Fair enough. Um, yeah. Um, so, in similar fashion to Travis joining the man, they contact Max Skeber from Alkaline Trio, which was massive. I remember when that got when that kind of got out. I was I was thinking this is fucking like epic. This is almost like a supergroup forming, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, definitely, and like. Plays three shows in, in March 2015, and then two weeks later, he's joined the band officially. Yeah. And they're getting ready to, getting getting ready to release their their, their eighth um, album in California. Yeah. And not like three years later, released, um, released Nine, which is their album number nine. I just want to say, and actually, no, I'll, yeah, I will say it now. Um, with California, I remember when that came out, and that that sucked. Um, I'm, I'll get into it later, but which really which really baffled me because a year later they released a deluxe edition with essentially a second album in it, right? Yeah. And that half of the album was actually awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's a love hate thing. We'll get there later. <laughs> <laughs> so, not really much happened with the band between yep. 2016 and 2019, and really up until probably two months ago. Spicy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it all centers around a pop vinyl announcement. Well, it came down to, what, the 20 years, was it? No. T- yeah. Yeah, the 20 years of, not them. What was it the 20 years of? <laughs> Fuck, I'm, years I'm horrible. <laughs> um, but no, the pop vinyl. Yeah, it was too. Uh, yeah. The pop vinyl. <laughs> but, um, yeah, all of a sudden... Tom's got Blink-182 in his social media bios. Yeah. There's photos going around without Matt in, Matt Skiba in them. Um, Which is super weird, by the way. The fact that he'd kind of been in the band, they'd done like two or two to three albums. And pretty, pr- pr- pretty weird how that it's whole sus. thing has panned out. And I mean, we still don't know, right? No one's actually yeah. come out and said he's still in the band or not. What's happening? Yeah. So it's really super weird. So it's all up in the air. It's all conspiracies and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'd like to hope they'd give Matt a bit more of a chance. Maybe at album number three. But, you reckon? Um, you reckon if Tom says, hey, I'm, I'm ready to come back, you know. And, and like I think the big thing is for me is through the last probably five years, right, I, f- you, I mean, watching on Instagram, you kind of have this sense that, hey, they're all kind of – Making it, they're having jokes on Instagram, they're tweeting each other, you know. You kind of feel like there's this sense of everything's good again, right? Yeah, and I, camaraderie's I, there. Yeah, and I mean, every time I see them even comment, like something, and everyone's talking about it, like I'd love to see them come back. And, and whether or not that means Matt has to leave the band for a period of time, uh, what do you do? But I would love to see them back again. Yeah, there's nothing quite like Mark, Tom and Travis. And, like, Tom's got one of the most unique voices. Like, no matter who you got to fill that spot. It's never like, the same. Nah. And and I've seen live videos of, 
of Skiba like singing Tom's parts and stuff, and it's all right, but it just doesn't do it. Yeah, it just doesn't do it for me as much. Should we get into the albums? Well, I got some questions for you um, before we get into it. Which are some questions? I think the things that kind of over time. So, what it's ninety nine. That album comes out anywhere of the state, and American Pie comes out as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember as a kid when that movie came out. I was six, six or seven, and and that was. I remember watching that movie and like sneaking, sitting down the hallway, watching my parents watch it because <laughs> this was like this brand new comedy that like was was like too naughty for me to watch. Yeah, and that was that was epic. And, and Blink being in that is probably one of the biggest memories I have of that movie. Yeah, like that was pretty big back then. Like they really kind of were the soundtrack, right? The mm-hmm. face of yeah. the soundtrack of teen movies through the late nineties, two thousands, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think that kind of really took pop punk to a whole new level, I would have said. Yeah, yeah. It just brought those other bands into like they just um hit the stratosphere. I don't know I like yeah. to say that, but like they just rose the stardom and they just dragged other bands up with them. Yeah. I think um the other thing I wanted to note through that whole whole period as well was and I'm gonna jump around a few things here, but mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember it would have been through, was it through lockdown or just before lockdown when when Mark announced that he had cancer? Yeah, yeah. I don't know about you, but that was one of the hardest hitting days in like music. You know, we, we see like these greats starting to like pass away and get old. Yeah. But someone like that, you know, who I grew up thinking that he was kind of like the man, like yeah. getting cancer, kind of hit home. I don't know about you, but it's something I just want to bring up because yeah, it was it was rough, and especially with punk, like the ceiling is pretty low, so like. You talk to enough people, you can almost meet Mark. Like, he's not unobtainable. It's not like trying to go and hang out with James Hetfield. Like, there's a good chance you could yeah, you could hang out with Mark if, like, if the stars align, if you work hard enough. Yeah. So, like, it's definitely, like, one of my musical idols or, like, someone you look up to for so long. That's yeah. Like, really, really um, shocking news. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess like, when did you get into them? Cause I don't think we really covered that. Or do you want to talk through that through the albums? No, we'll talk about it now. When did you get into them? How did you get into them? I think we've briefly heard this story before earlier in, in our series, the podcast, but t- for the new listeners or even for me, because I've got a terrible memory, how did you get into <laughs> them again? I got into them around Dude Ranch. So maybe just, okay. after, like, just after Dude Ranch came out. Yeah. So I've got a, a cousin that's a like three years older. Yeah. So he was a surfer, went to warp tour and all that kind of stuff. And I remember we would go over to their house and sit in his parents' car who had a six stack of CD player in yep. the car. Yeah. And listening to Dude Ranch and um, looking at the cover, laughing at the like the bull's balls on the back and stuff like that. Big ass bull. <laughs> yeah, big ass bull. Um, yeah, so I got into them. He like made a mixtape, um, with a few of the songs on it and a few of like the, the songs from that, uh, a 97 Warp Tour compilation. Yep. With like the Boston's and stuff like that on it. Nice. And yeah, it's just been something that stuck. It just stuck. Yeah. It was fun. It was awesome. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I got into them probably a bit differently. Uh, it would have been right after an of the state came out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always kind of been a kid that really enjoyed music, like listening to music. And yep. I remember, um, especially, you know, when a of the state came out and everyone knows, you know, all the small things, um, probably one of the, they're probably the biggest song I'd argue, um, potentially could be mm-hmm. the biggest song. And I think I remember that song playing all the time. And I remember I had like a little CD, um, like a Walkman kind of thing. I think it would have been like 2000 ish maybe and i didn't have i wasn't allowed to get a blink cd my mom wouldn't let me get one i was too young <laughs> but i had like a hits of the 90s or something like that right uh, like yeah. a, not a so fresh it was before so fresh it was some yeah. dodgy looking thing and it had like bloke remember that song bloke yeah <laughs> that song was on it yeah <laughs> and the, uh, uh <laughs> do you want to chris franklin and, uh tibid he lived like 10 minutes from where i grew up Fuck your claim to fame, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but banger. But I remember like really specifically that song played. And then right afterwards was all the small things and, oh, fuck. Like I was, I was just a kid and it was just the best. And, um, yeah, like my dad loved them and mum not so much, but yeah, it's just, they were just the best. Um, and that's probably, yeah, how I feel about them. (laughs) You said you seen them live back in the day. Yeah. Where you? Where was the first time you seen them? Like, how often have you? How many times have you seen them? Do you know? I think I've seen them three times. So, so good. They toured self-titled. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's like 2003 um, so Festival Hall. Nice. And so um, it was them, brand new, and Gyroscope. Yeah. And so that's that was the crazy good. That's the first time we heard brand, heard or saw brand new, and and gyroscope actually. So that was like wow. one of the the biggest things. And then um, after that, Travis broke his leg, and they had to go home. He tripped out of the bus. But you got to see Travis play, right? Yep. So Bastard. what they did? So on the way to Sydney, he broke his leg, so they had to go home. Yep. They rebooked the tour in 2004. You saw him then. (laughs) Saw him again. But this time it was with Sparta and I think it might have been Gyroscope again. Nice. And it was just as good, like the second time around. And they played Um, a different set and everything. um, I can't believe we didn't even bring it up, but the plane crash. Yeah. That's fucking, that's heavy. And, And, you know... I'd be I'd be terrified of flying too if if the plane bloody crashed. Yeah, um, just to take cruise boats to overseas tours. Oh, crazy. Um, but I've never seen Travis. I've never seen the three of them together. Um, so a part of me where I really want that reunion is because mm-hmm. Travis flies now because the Kardashians. I don't know what they did to him, but um, he's flying now, yeah. and I I really need to see the three of them together, like so badly. The third time I saw them was 2013 at Soundwave. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if Travis played. It was a long time ago. Did they play the big day out? Like in no, 20... They... No, they uh, played Soundwave again. They played Soundwave, yeah. So I've seen them three times as well. I saw them at that first Soundwave in 2013. Yep. But I'm pretty sure they played again in like 2015 or something, right? Yeah, I think so. And I saw them play at that, that show. And then I also saw them play at the Sydney My Bowl. And oh, seeing really cool. them at the Sydney Mobile was so cool. I wasn't meant to go, but one of my good friends, Bree, 
Um, she called me like the day of and she's like, Phil, I've got two tickets. They're 50 bucks each. Let's go to Blink. It was yeah. a Tuesday and I was like, fuck, right, let's go. Like, this is, yeah. I wasn't expecting oh. to do this today. And like, as you know, seeing a band play their own show versus a festival, very so different. different. Yeah. And they played for ages, man. Um, and everyone was going off and it was still one of the my favorite shows. Um, and I love the Sydney My Music Bowl. It's so good. It's, yeah. It's an underrated venue, actually. Like, it's... Yeah. It's really good. But yeah, never seen the three of them together, which which breaks my heart a little bit. But what do you do? There's still chance. There's still time. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully I could see him with um, our good friend, Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> I'd, pay, I'd pay good money to see that show. <laughs> oh, man. Don't do that to us. I had one more question for you. Okay. This, is a, this is probably a hot, spicy take. I don't know how you want to call it. Do you think when it comes to three-piece bands, this is one of the best we, we, we will ever get? That's an interesting. And when I say that, I don't necessarily mean that they're the best musically, right? Because they're not the best musically. But when you Do take... you mean the most, success, most, most successful? No, not even. I think just as a, as, a, as, a, as a unit, like individually, right, they're all super unique musicians. Like yeah. we've seen them all do their own side projects and they've clearly got a knack for it, right? Mm-hmm. But when you put them together, like it's special, right? Like when you think of the music they've written, I can't think of another band that's probably had that same kind of chemistry while being so unique. And especially with the two vocalists, what Travis brings on drums, like I can't think of another band that I would probably put next to them. Yeah, maybe you can. I, I don't know. Their persona is like what made them. Like the banter, the... The, the music uh, videos. The oh music my God. Videos, How do we the... not talk about that more? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't... Well, I don't really think about that often. So you've kind of rocked me with that one. But yeah. like, I'm trying to think of any like three-piece bands that are as big or as influential. Yeah, I don't know. One comes to mind is like the Black Keys. I'm pretty sure they're a three-piece, but I don't think they're on that level. I wouldn't have thought so. No. It's food for thought. And I mean, if someone listens and says like, Phil, Dave, you're you're fucking stupid. This is another (laughs) band that's like this. Tell me, right? But yeah, when I think back, I, I can't think of another trio like a three-piece band that's as unique and as kind of cohesive when they're together like this. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great call. And and I think like you make a, you make a good comment on um, like their, their banter and their persona and they just like fucking wanted to fuck around and have fun. Right. Yeah. And, and I I just made this connection in my head and I think it's me just probably like fucking pulling something out of my ass. But um I finished the last episode of that Woodstock 99 doco last night. Oh yeah. Yep. And the Bill Simmons one's way better. So if you, if you want to get a good um, Woodstock 99 doco, go listen, watch the Bill Simmons one. There's no fluff. It's just kind of like a straightforward, good doco. Yep. Um, but one of the, like, one of the, the promoter, right at the end of it, he says that comment about, I think all these kids and I'm paraphrasing here, um, you know, they took it out on the festival because they didn't want to go back to their lives and understand they needed to grow up and have a family. And that was in 99. And I think, you know, Anemia of the State came out. They, I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I think that's when they started to really build their stride. Yeah, 100%. And then I think Take Off Your Pants and Jackets when they probably exploded even more so. 
the the bangers they had were just phenomenal off that record. And I almost think these this band like held people back and just said, "Hey, fuck! Like, doesn't matter. Like, have fun, right?" And all these kids yeah. that you know were listening to to Corn, to Limp Biscuit, to the Chili Peppers, they were still listening to that. But now you've got this band like Blink, and there were other pop punk bands doing it, right? But that got so massive and were kind of taking over that they were like, "Fuck, just have fun." And I yeah. think they they they're really important to the scene. And I'm probably pulling it out of my ass, but I really do believe that. <laughs> No, I think so as well. Now that you say it, it's like it speaks directly to their their kind of aura and their like the Peter Pan syndrome, if you will. Yeah, and like, when you th- and when you think of bands, like I'm not saying they directly influence them, but Fallout Boy, right? Hmm. Take this to your grave is a great album, and it's 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 a like a fantastic album, but it didn't have the the fun or the theatrics that I think from Under the Cork Tree had. Yeah, and I think it's bands like this that kind of said to bands, hey, have a bit more fun with it because you can. And I know that's the whole emo genre, but still. But you can be, like you listen to some of the songs, you can be sad and sound like you're having fun at the same time. Like it can be taken both ways. Yeah. Anyway, there's some of my thoughts. (laughs) Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) Thank you for the questions. (laughs) Um, So let's get into the album. So in 1994, they released Buddha. So Buddha's basically from the way I feel, the way it sounds is like, it's basically an album of demos. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I don't think I've listened to this in like 10, 15 years yeah, <laughs> until we said we're going to do this. And I was like, listening back thinking, fuck, these songs suck. But <laughs> the ones that they like, you know, fixed up and released later on, I was like, yeah, brilliant. But yeah. Um, it's raw and I, and I do enjoy it. Like when I listened back, like it felt like, you know, you could feel what Blink were building to and it was a good starting point. Yeah, it was it was building those uh the platform for that future those future releases. Yeah. Um so the a year later they um they released Shishia Cat. Yeah. Um I think it's their apart from one we're gonna talk about later, I think it's their purest punk album. I think it's not as pop punk as as I remember it. Um, yeah, I agree. I think there's a couple like Carousel's very poppy, but like the songs after that, after like song three, th- all the way through the end, are, are a lot more punk. So they're fast paced. I'll be honest. I I don't think they became as much a. a there was obviously pop punk, pop punk throughout, but yeah. I think Travis really took them to that next level with, when it comes to pop punk, because yep. when you hear the jump from Dude Ranch to Anima of the State, like the drums, man, the drums, like they just come to a whole new level and they're punchy and they're like, they're, they're driving the song more. Whereas I felt it was riffs and bass driving the songs earlier, which probably awesome. felt a bit more punk, right? So yeah. Um, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Can we just um, say though, Carousel, is that one of the best openers of an album of all time? Yeah. I can't think of many better. Just, yeah, they could, like, it's just, the bass is just unreal. It's, it's and there's a reason song. why they can't do it. Like, there's a reason why bands don't do it anymore because it's bloody hard. That's, um, that's crazy. And, like, listening back to, to Buddha, like, this week in, in preparation for this, um, hearing the demo version and hearing it on, on Cheshire Cat, fuck, blew my mind. Like, that's, that's a massive step up. 
Yeah. Um, and that's one year of being a band and playing regularly. Crazy. <laughs> so two years go by, 1997, and they drop Dude Ranch. I don't... You probably feel differently about this album than I do. Yeah. Well, what like, do you, how how do you feel about it? It's a good album, but I think there's a lot of tracks in there that I could take or leave. Yeah. Well, that's like, fair though. That's like I, I, I get it has its place, but it's just there's a lot of filler. Yeah. Like uh, Dick Lips. Or the Star Wars song. <laughs> yeah, New Hope. Um, yeah. Um, basically, it kind of got people talking about it. So like it it started the whole all the dick jokes and the the fun songs and like damn it, still a banger. Like it's Well really- I was gonna say, like that was probably their first real like massive single. Like I know they had Eminem yeah. and they had that Josie. was probably Eminem was probably yeah Josie, but I feel like yeah. damn it was like fuck like this is getting real like just building to something, right? That I think exploded in the next album. Yeah, definitely. And it just got people's attention. It got Got people going to shows, like, it just, it yeah, it just, yeah, just was a really good stepping stone to what it would be anywhere of the state. And just, it got them on the radar of big big labels. So they signed with MCA and they they released anywhere of the state in 1999. Yeah. And there's no looking back. There's no stopping them. No, and no, I, like, well, actually, we'll get to it in a minute. You know, there's a thing I want to say. But I'll get to it soon. <laughs> Next <Yes>. album. <laughs> so, Enema of the State in 1999 just exploded the band. This is arguably, I think, one of the most important albums in the turn of the century. And that is a big statement for someone who was six years old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, really, I can't think of an album that at that time that I grew up like, you know, when I started listening to more music in the early two thousands that I kept thinking back of nineties albums, Nirvana was probably there. Yep. That came out when 90, when did that come out? 94. And that's probably one that's aged and kind of held its way through to the new year, new, yep. new whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But this as a turning of the century album, like come out 99, I'm pretty sure it came out late 99 when I was doing some reading. Yeah. Um, this is a fucking good one. And it still holds up. Well, for me, it does. Yeah, I think so too. 23 years later. Like, it's... I don't, I don't want to spoil nothing, but it's definitely one of my favourites, I think. Yeah. Um, so can I just other... say that... I'm sorry, I just want to get in here. This is probably also when... And obviously, Travis joins a band for this album. You can definitely hear his imprint on it straight away, right? Yeah. Um, but this is probably when their kind of goofball like mentality probably t- went to a whole new level. I don't know what they were thinking, but they just wanted to have fun. And the video yeah. clip of them running around naked, you know, Backstreet Boys, like, freaking mocking oh, them. Like, that was so good. It was all this album. And everything yeah. about this album's release, I think, preached fucking nonsense. Yeah. And then they bring out um, Mark, Tom, and Travis show, which is, like, further escalated all that, that persona with, like... Half the CD, half the release is banter, them just telling jokes and talking garbage. and Which is exactly what, when, when I listened to that as a kid and I finally saw them live, they're like that on stage. And I, I love that. And that's what you want from a Blink show. You don't go there just for the music. Because <laughs> like, yeah. to be honest, I don't think they're very great live. 
um, when I've seen them. Like they, they just up there having fun, and yeah. you love it. You love them for it, right? Yeah, you see, you want to see them perform, and and that's doing everything. That's the banner, the songs, singing, jumping around. Like that's that's what you pay money to go and see. Can I say though? The base work on on their whole catalogue, and as we're talking through, I'm looking at songs on the releases and thinking, their base work is phenomenal. Yeah. And and I, I wanted to, uh, when I was a kid, when I was younger, you know, Mikey Way made me want to play bass because I don't know why. He's <laughs> the nerdiest guy in that band, but I wanted to play bass because of Mikey Way and Mike M. But well, I don't know why I didn't want to play bass because of Blink. Uh, it's a weird thought that I just had. Mm. Gone off tangents tonight. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Um, no, the bass work is awesome. And like I went through a phase and I'm kind of back in it where I'm kind yeah. of trying to to pick the bass up again. And I, I started with some Blink songs. I can't remember which ones. Trying to tab them. and It's tough. And bro him. I just wanted to play bro him. <laughs> like just well, the intro. Like I'm looking at the the Mark Tom and Travis show, and like Man Overboard was released on that as a single, yeah. And that is also that's a freaky good bass song, like yeah. that. It's crazy. All right, so we've got next up is Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, two thousand and one. It's amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> we, we, so yeah. Good. How how do you? I mean, I know we'll, we'll get to our power rankings, but this is. This is Apex Mountain, Blink-182 for me. Yeah. This is peak. I don't think they go up from here. I don't think so either. Maybe they will one day, but I doubt it. No. I think it was just like the perfect mix of them growing up and them still having their their youthful dick jokes and and fun at the same time. Then they just found their, their their stride and were just writing really good songs. And I don't even know how old they are. How old were they when this came out? Fuck, I have no idea. But like, I felt like they had probably a bit more life experience. They they'd done it a few times. They've recorded yeah. a few times. You know, they were just better musicians. He was born seventy two, so he would have been what thirty? Yeah, surely not. He was thirty. Mark was thirty. Yeah, when this album came out, that explains it. Surely not. <laughs> Fuck. That makes me feel so young. <laughs> I am so young. <laughs> makes me feel old. Um, but yeah, fucking makes sense, I guess. We've got some of their... And this album probably has... And we talk about self-titled being more mature. But this arguably has some of the darker songs on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like lyrically, like the perfect probably album to say, like, you know, lyrically where super depressed and we're super sad but musically it just feels like a blink album and i think that yeah. that's why this album's so special yeah i agree i know this from like start to finish oh yeah like without even listening along to it and yeah. that's how much i've listened to it all right so this is going to take us to self-titled untitled blink 182 blink 182 what do you, what do you call it i always thought it was untitled because i remember back when like apple music first apple music Fucking iTunes came into the scene. Yeah. This was listed as untitled. And then now it's called Blink 182 on Apple. And yeah. I think it's just, I just call it self titled. Yep. Or, yeah. Um, so, yeah. 
Bought a new ear for the band. Sonically, lyrically, it was dark. It was atmospheric. Yeah. It was cool though. It had like um the the sample of the, the World War Two letter. Was it World yep. War Two or World War One letter? Yeah, um, one of them. Yeah, and that hit super hard. Um just another great outing by them. And another step forward, I think, in in growth. Well, I think if this album never happened, we never would have gotten Angels and Airwaves or yeah. Boxcar Racer, but I think we wouldn't have gotten to Angels and Airwaves. I think we yep. wouldn't have gotten the side projects like Plus 44. And I mm-hmm. think we wouldn't have gotten the creativity or probably the knowledge that Travis has to do what he's done like, you know, 10 years later. Yeah. I think this album's kind of a compilation of everything that came before but sets them up for what they're going to do next. And I know yeah. that's probably a really wanker thing to say, but I really do believe that. Yeah. It's, it's as soon as you said Travis, the click to me that like this is a drum led album. Yeah. But I think a he lot of their albums the were. Yeah, he I think when you think about their catalog once he joined, he took them to that level and I think yeah. he kept taking them and taking them and taking them. Otherwise we would, we would have gotten the same you know fucking bass riffs and guitar yeah. riffs and yeah all that stuff. And it's fine, but this is where I think he shun, shines the most. Yeah. Like he's like just just smashes it the whole way through. I also think this one from a from a vocal point of view is probably their strongest. Yeah. I think they found their rhythm with the balancing the vocals. Obviously they both had their songs and their stories they brought to each track, which made it easier for them to sing and, and kind of break it up. But it just felt organic to me. Mm-hmm. And whether or not that fallout was there and they were trying to one up each other or something, but this album felt like they were they were a super mature band, good to go. Yeah. And then they just like ripped their hearts out a few years after, right? Like why? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Post hiatus, we have neighborhoods in twenty. Well, I, I just want twenty eleven, right? Can you yeah. imagine what we would have gotten? So, you know, this album came out in two thousand and three for the self titled. Mm-hmm. They broke up two years later. Yep. We got Boxcar, obviously. We got uh, Plus Forty Four. Yeah. But can you imagine a blink in right in the heights of the emo era with the used with MyChem, all these bands? Can you imagine what we would have got next? Like. I don't, yeah. It's scary. It would be like the biggest what if, I think, that we've had on the pod. This is our first big what if moment. What if Blink ventured into the mid-2000s and kind of followed wherever that went, you know, all those big emo bands, you know, hitting the mainstream. Blink, like, could have fucking become an emo band. I don't know. But it's crazy (laughs) to think about it. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. It's quite, it makes me sad, actually. I shouldn't have brought it up. So, yeah, 2010, Pies win the flag. Um, everything's looking up. New Blink album and Neighbourhoods comes out. Um, I think I think it's decent. Look, this is, it's great. It's really good. And I didn't give it the time of day. I thought it was a bit boring. It felt a bit like, where's the soul to Blink-182 when this album came out? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it kind of felt like to me that they just were releasing music because they were coming back. They wanted to do some shows. They needed to have something to tour, yeah. maybe. Um, it felt very bland. And I just sold this album to our friend. And yeah, I just think that 
it was just a bit one-dimensional, one-toned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it was definitely more like prog rock, more radio-friendly yeah. than anything else has been. Um, it wasn't the blink of old. No. Nah. Which was, which was fine. Like, they played a few songs live at that Soundwave slash Sideshow thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was all right, but it wasn't the same. Yeah. But what so it like, did do, though... Oh, do you have much more to say on that? Because I was about no. to... you go. The next DP that came out a year later, 2012, Dogs Eating Dogs. Like, that was it. That was good. That was really good. It felt like an extension to Neighbourhoods to me in... In sound, but... You reckon? It's like it was better. It felt more edgy to me. It felt like they were... Okay, they did the album. They did the fucking bullshit. Like, you know, let's just get songs out there. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, whether or not they wrote these songs when Neighborhoods was written, whether or not they wrote them on the road or what they did, it felt like this was them just coming out, putting out a, a little EP and just doing what they wanted to do. And it felt so good. And I think it's one of their best things they've done. Mm Mm-hmm. Me too. It's um, it came in a perfect time, I think. So yeah, um, yeah. And I want a copy so bad on vinyl. So oh, I know so I need. I know, I know I need to pay money for it, and I missed the repress last year or the year before. Mm-hmm. But I'll get a copy one day. It's a, it's something I definitely need, <laughs> and probably most people need. Go listen to it. Yeah, it's great. It's only like twenty minutes. Like yeah, ten inch people hate ten inches, but they all buy this. So yeah. It's weird. Um, yeah, so after that, um, Dogs Eating Dogs, four years goes by, Tom left the band, Skiba joined, and they released California. Woeful. <laughs> no, I, I can't be too. Uh, it sucked. Like, I'm sorry. Um, that first part of that album was really not enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm probably being hard, but I, I didn't enjoy it. That's interesting because I saw the reviews, I read the reviews, and I didn't listen to it. Oh, really? For Have ages. you? Did, it not, don't tell me this is the first time you listened to it now. No, probably the third. Okay. Or fourth. And I don't understand how much hate it copped. But okay. I don't feel it's like their best, but I think I think it's fine. I think it kind of hits some of the notes at times. There's a yeah. couple of good singles on there, but all in all, it's it's kind of middle ground for me. I think for me, what the problem was, and you and I'm I'm a dramatic person, right? Like I come out with grand statements and make these opinions of of fluff. Um, but it's the same thing I've said about North Lane a hundred times. Same yep. thing I said about Ocean Grove was when they moved on from their original vocalists and I'd seen them, it just threw me off because, and, and, and albeit for the Ocean Grove and North Lane examples, um, they were trying to play the old catalog that suited the new vocalist and it didn't work to begin with until they wrote yeah. more music. But I felt with this, it just felt, it didn't feel like Blink. It just felt like, like make a side project or something. Like it just didn't yeah. feel like Blink to, to be honest, to begin with. Um, but you fast forward a year and they released a deluxe edition, which at the time I was like, why is this album getting a deluxe edition? <laughs> um, but it was essentially a second album. They should have called it California 2 or another thing, or something else, because that second part, 
like slaps and it's fantastic and sad when that happens isn't it um but that first part like it grew on me the more and more i listen to part two because obviously it's like they did the cheeky and put it all into one album on streaming and, and stuff yeah. um but it grew on me and and it's actually a great it's actually not bad part two. Oh, that's good i'm i'm glad you like part two thanks i thought part one and two were pretty good <laughs> All right, so 2019, we get nine. I'm keen to know your thoughts on this, and I'm I'm keen to talk about this one. Is crap. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sum this up in one question I've written down for you. Well, not written. It's more a statement. I'm gonna make it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> if nine was released by an MGK or a SoundCloud rapper gone pop punk, this album would be widely loved and not as divisive as it is. You think? I 100% guarantee it. I I, I honestly think if this didn't have Blink-182 on it, it didn't have Mark or, or, or Matt singing and it had a fucking Machine Gun Kelly or, or someone else, I honestly think this album would be considered like... Do you think it'd be better as a young blood album? Oh, probably not young blood. I think young blood, young blood sound is its own thing, and I think he does a good job at what he does. But like a Machine Gun Kelly, or who do I listen to that's in that? Oh, fuck, I couldn't even tell you the names; they all sound the same. But you think about all these bands or artists that Travis Barker's taken and said, "Hey, I'm going to write you some songs because I know they work." It's this new age of pop punk that he's doing. That felt like this album, but it was Mark behind the mic. Do you if think you it's... take the Ooh. Do you yeah. think Nine is just all the, the rejected songs by all those pop stars and they've just put it on an album? So Travis well, no, has all these songs. Maybe, maybe it was probably the start of it. Maybe they, because really this came out, what, 2019? All of that stuff started coming out 2020. Yeah. Maybe he wrote this album, they released it, and Travis was like, you know what? This this could, I, mean, I could be onto something here. And he takes them to bands like people like MGK and said, let's make yeah. a pop punk album. Okay. Go back and listen to it with that lens. And I guarantee you, you'll be I like, you know what? To, I haven't oh, even listened on. to MGK. So I'm going to have to do that first and then ruin my day and then make it worse. MGK gets too much hate. That first album is, is fantastic. I tried. I tried and I failed. Okay. So, but I will say like, I, I do like that album. I think it's, I think it's good. It's age. It's it's for its time. I think when we think about what Blink needs to be, right? Mm-hmm. We go through. This is Blink Blink One Eight Two and Philip. A story. Neighborhoods comes out. Fuck. What's this? It doesn't feel like a Blink album. Philip's yeah. like whatever. And I'm talking to myself in the third person. This is horrible. Dogs eating dogs comes out. It's fantastic. Tom leaves the band. Yeah. We wait ages. Is there going to be more music? California comes out. Bit disappointed. It's not it doesn't feel like Blink. Part two comes out. I think I've gotten over my obsession with the singer and how it sounds. I kind of like it. Yeah. Nine comes out and they're like, fuck it, we're just gonna do something different and new. We're not trying to be Blink. We're writing songs for 20, 2019. And really, that was ahead of its if it was ahead of its time. If it came yeah. out after the MGK era, it would be considered a good pop punk album. Yeah, okay. I believe you. I'm um, passionate. I'm passionate about this if you can't Maybe tell. I just don't like songs that are written for 2019. 
I remember that. That might just be me. It might be a me thing. Well, I hate to break it to you on that one. Damn it, it didn't come out in 2019. I was trying to pull an album on you that you love, but it came out in 2020. God damn it. Yes. (laughs) Okay, now for the power rankings. The power rankings, let's go. Let's do it. Power rankings. So we're going to talk about the studio albums. We're going to talk about, we're going to rank dogs eating dogs, and we're going to include Buddha in that because it's 12 inch. It was kind of an album, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we've got 10 that we're ranking. Yeah. So let's start at number 10. You go first. Or do you want me, I know what you're going to pick. You're going to pick nine. Yeah, nine <laughs> to 10. I'm picking Buddha. Yeah, that's a, that's okay. I just I just think, yeah. I just, it, it was all right. It was, it was good, but it, it there's better that comes, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my number nine is Buddha. So what's yours? California. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just because part one, I didn't love as much. And I think, you know me, I love an album. If you need to release two albums for me to like it, it's, 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 it can't be considered a higher up than a nine. Okay. Yep. Okay. So my number eight is Cheshire Cat. Oh, my number. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. It just, yeah, it's fine. Why so low? Just not I it? just, I'm liking the newer stuff a little bit more. Now, okay, currently, yeah. Um, did I say my number eight? No, neighborhoods. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll kick off number seven. Yeah. Uh, Dude Ranch. Okay. Yeah. I was one years old. One years old. So yeah, you don't have the nostalgia that I do for it. Nah, not at all. Okay. Cool. Well, my number seven is California. Okay. You're a bit. You're a fan. You're more of a fan. That's pretty good. Seven, you know. I'm coming around to it. I listened to it twice for the research and I'm like, yeah, this is the, this is good. I like. I will say, like that album does have some some bangers on it. Like, and I'm just pulling it up now mm-hmm. to get the full track listing, but oh, it's not an Apple Music. Can you believe that? That's probably why I don't listen to it. Um, but the lead single of the part two was really good. Yeah. I can't remember the name. I'm horrible. Okay, number six. Number six, turn that upside down. We got nine, baby. <laughs> six. Six. That's six. Ouch. I think, look, I'm telling you, go back and listen to it. If someone's listening to this, I think I'm going to call out Nick because our friend Nick is into this, you know, new age Travis Barker pop punk, and he's going to agree with me. I guarantee it. Uh, how much did you pay him? I've paid him nothing. But if you want to sell me some stuff, Nick, you know where to come. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so my number six is Neighbourhoods. Okay. Wait, wait, sorry. Six? Yeah. (laughs) Bastard. (laughs) I reckon our number five is going to be the same. No. Why not? What do you got? What do you got? Dude Ranch. Oh, damn. My number five was Dogs Eating Dogs. Oh, that's my number four. Wow. My number four is Cheshire Cat. Really? I don't think you can go past. Like, you know me, right? Um, I love runs of things. Yeah. And I think, like, Cheshire Cat has probably one of the, one of my favorite four song runs to start the album. Mm, okay. Um, 
And like, I, yeah, I can't knock that. Like, I, I think that's, yeah, it's fantastic. That's fine. Um, okay. So yeah, my number four is dog eat, dogs eating dogs. Oh, number, number four for you. Yeah. It's well, so I think, good. Uh, I'm interested to know what our top three is because we've obviously got the same records here. Um, <clears throat> my number three is Anemia of the State. Me too. Oh, wow. I reckon we're going to have the same top three for the first time ever. Are we going to have the same top three? I told I you so. what my top one was when you were in Sydney and I prompted this whole podcast. <laughs> so my, my number, number two, two is self-titled. And my number one is Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Yep. To top three. It's the big three. The big, big, big... Fuck, you took the words out of my mouth. I've written here. Philip's going to talk about three three run records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it one of the best three runs that we've had? I can't think of many better. In pop punk or just in general? Let's talk pop punk. Okay. But in general, I think when you, when you think about pop punk as a genre and what the best three run records are, and I'm thinking like pop punk, not punk, mm-hmm. because there, there are some good runs there. I can't think of a nearly a better run, uh, except if I'll, I'll be super biased about um, neck deep, but that's me being biased. Yeah, <laughs> and maybe look, maybe MGK releases the third album and he, he's up there. <laughs> don't do that. To me. Just don't. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think of who who like a pop punk band that's had three really. Decent albums in a row. Yeah, before like, that boy, would you call them? They're, they're kind of, by the third album, they weren't really pop punk, I think. I don't know. Yeah, they're in the similar realm, but I even, what's the third one? The Infinity on High? Yeah. It kind of wasn't really pop punk. It was more like just its own thing. Yeah, I was thinking maybe like New Found Glory going self-titled Sticks and Stones into Catalyst, but Catalyst is Catalyst is a bit soft. Isn't as good as 2000, is self-titled. Um, it's a hard one. Yeah. Interesting. I think what's perfect about that run though as well. I mean, we've spoken about three run albums and we talk about architects, right? Yeah. And it's probably different, obviously pop punk, but from where they've gone from each album being like bratty kids really. Yeah. In 99 for anemia of the state, take, take off your pants and jacket is like the apex mountain where they've got, you know, they've gotten a bit more serious, but they're still fun. They're still writing these bangers. Right. And then you've got, Self-titled, where they where can take that risk. Yeah, it's like fuck. That's it's fantastic. And listening, we're listening through all the albums again over the last week and a half. Um, that was a, that was real fun. And I'm probably gonna do that three album run more often. Yeah, that's um, that's so good. I am really glad I got to grow up with Blink. Yeah. I feel like yeah. um, people who were like. 12 now yeah. growing up with Machine Gun Kelly and they're going to be absolutely drop kicks yeah but Machine Gun Kelly he's bringing out these you know unknown drummers into his music like what are you going to do <laughs> <laughs> no good on him he's 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 doing stuff for the genre that's like, that's all you can ask for I think um, yeah they've got a great discography and hopefully they add to it whether it be with with Skibber, whether it be with with Tom, I hope they do more. I hope they come to Australia soon. Um, 
because yeah, even if it's just even if it's not with Tom, like yeah. I just want to see them again. Me too. All right, let's get into our songs. The songs. I like the songs. I think the songs are interesting because can we just say on the back of their amazing discography, and I, I mentioned it at the start of the episode, have they got one of the best greatest hits albums? Yeah. Like I think they're like other than you got the classics like you know Queen and uh, fucking Michael Jackson and Cold Chisel if you're in Australia, I you know I think of these yeah. greatest hits albums, but Blink's arguably up there. Um, it's fantastic. It came out 2005, but it's got like 20 songs on it. It's yeah. banger. It's better than Offsprings. 100% it's better than Offsprings. <laughs> oh, actually, that's a good one. Offspring had a pretty good three run. Yeah. Uh, Ixnay, Smash, Americana. Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty good three run. Yeah. Maybe not as many bangers, though, compared to Blink in regards to popular singles. Yeah. But, cl- like, very good. Yeah. I was at the... um. Did you go to Good Things when they played Smash in full? No, I didn't. That was a great show. I took my dad. It was really good. Oh, that would have been sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So what's your number five song? This was one that I picked two. Um, I picked two and I'm going to tell, I'm going to say two, but I'm going to actually pick one. <clears throat> so they, they were both off Anima of the State. It was What's My Age Again or All the Small Things. I couldn't pick okay. between the two. They were both on the fringe. I went with all the small things just because it was one of my first, you know, experiences with music with my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, every kid loves screaming like work sucks. I know, you know, like it yeah. was just, it's got nostalgia for me and I had to put it in there. Even though it's probably not my favorite today, I think all time it's got to be considered. Okay, cool. What do you got? Mine is uh, the song that solidified self-titled for me in my... Really? Like, in my fandom, and that was always. Oh yeah, I, I thought about that. That's just um the, the whole intro, and that's yeah. I just think of Travis's like Travis's elevation of the band is like yeah paramount in in always in that song. It's a great song. I mean, they don't really. I'm, I'm sure we're going to go through all their songs. I, I got a question for you though. I, I think we can talk about it now. Are mm. all your songs singles? One of them. Oh, interesting. I guess that um that that kind of takes us in nicely to my number four, which you know that I love a closing song, mm-hmm. um, but this isn't one. <laughs> I think Blink have some of the best opening songs, yeah. Um, like in general, to be honest, and this one is Anthem Part Two. Oh yeah, so I think good. it's just it's so good and and vocally. Uh, it just, it's a perfect opener to the album. I think instrumentally, it's not too its not too hard. It's not too fast. Um, but lyrically and vocally, they just take it. They start the album off incredibly well. And yeah, it's a—it's my favorite album. And I think its it starts off perfect yeah. every time. It sets the scene for yeah. the, whole, the whole thing. Um, my number four is off that same album. That's what we want to hear. <laughs> Reckless Abandon. Oof. Deep cut. Yeah. Um, I just always gravitated to that song for some reason. Yeah. And it just starts off slow, builds up, and just like, just smashes it. Yeah. I could never, I could like never wait for it to get 
to the part in the CD. I think I even yeah. had it on tape at one stage. So like nice. listening through, I was like, let's come on, let's get to <laughs> reckless a bit. <laughs> I, I remember um, listening to, so when I was a kid and like, so my grandparents would look after me before school and after school uh, while my parents were at work. And I remember sitting at this old kind of deck, right? Like similar to what you have in the background, right? Mm-hmm. Where you've got the record player on top and you have all the things underneath. And it was this big system and it had a, it had a maybe a four stacker CD player. Yeah. And I remember having this album in there and it was the, it was an old system. So you couldn't skip full tracks. You could just like fast slide forward. A, Yeah. Fast forward. <laughs> so I'd be there trying to get it right every time and try to go back for songs. And I know the feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, great. That's a great pick. So number three for me is Apple Shampoo. Really? Yeah. I, That's, I nearly called that song out before for being like... <laughs> just a, a funny track. It's a good track. Yeah. I don't know. That was that was the one that was on the mixtape that my cousin made me. Yeah. And like it just, it's got all nostalgia. It's just fun. Sing along. It's just great track. Yeah. Um, my number three, I'm going to keep with the theme of, uh, opening tracks. I've said it a few times today. It's, it's Carousel. Yeah. Like, fuck that song, man. Like if you want to get, if you want to be in a good mood, go listen to the start of that album, just the start of that album and listen to it twice because it's just, it's crazy good. It's a crazy good song. Yeah. So my number two yep. is going away to college. Really? Yeah. Nice. I just what? What's you got a story there, or it's just it was just no, a banger. I just love it. Yeah, yeah. Just, Could you try again? Sorry, my Siri wants to know what your second song was. Can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I just love it. It's another song like Reckless Abandon and Apple Shampoo. Like it's just. They just stick out to me. I sing them the loudest. Um, yeah, no, I feel that. I think we're getting to this. These are good. These are like, these kind of tell the people who you are, I think, yeah. these first two songs. And this song for me was my first ever favorite song I remember. I remember being in primary school and, you know, you're kids and music was like, you didn't have social media, right? So you're talking about music, like watching Rage on the weekends, video hits and all that. And I remember this song always being like my go-to, like, what's your favorite song at the moment? Yeah. It's First Date by Blink-182. Mm-hmm. And nice. it's just like, oh, I remember like pretty much all the way from as early as I can remember through school, I don't remember, but at least well into high school, it was always First Date's my favorite song. And then my cam came and they kind of took my, my <laughs> life away. Um, but until then it was First Date. And that yep. song is just so fun. <laughs> um, you know, it was I don't know, I was young. I was like in primary school to, to high school, but you feel like you relate to that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, like thinking back now, I'm thinking I was in grade four or five. Like what was I thinking? First date was relatable <laughs> or a Blink song was relatable. Yeah. But like at the time, I fully believed in in every fiber of my being that I could relate to that song. Yeah. And it's just, it's number two. Yeah. I think it's because... They don't sound too much older than we would have sounded. Totally fell off my chair when I read that he was fifty. Yeah. He, he was he was he was thirty when this album came out. I'll take mm-hmm. a few pants and jacket. Crazy. So do you think we have the same number one? No. 
I don't no. at all. Okay, so my number one is stay together for the kids. Are you fucking kidding me? That's no. also my number one. Really? I told you. I didn't think we'd actually have the same number one. That is their best song. That song um, is their best song. Damn, I can't believe... I, I got goosebumps then. I, I was like, fuck, David, I got the same number one. That's so good. Um, it, it Yeah, it probably is a bit of an us song, like... <laughs> in regards to like music that we kind of like, yep. yeah, song is heavy, man. But like, gives you hope. That is, like, oh, I could have said it better myself. <laughs> but that's what we look for in our music, though. We yeah, we, we listen do. to songs that the words are sad, but the music makes you feel like there is hope. Yeah, there isn't any hope. Yeah, I remember. Um, like this song was probably the song that stood stuck with me, stood with me like through probably my whole Blink history since it came out. It came out, I thought like you know the riffs are heavy, you know like I don't know guitar terms, but it just felt like the amps were turned up or something, and it felt like really like yep. Inception kind of guitars. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> and um, I remember listening to it, being like, "This is like the craziest thing ever." And it's probably one of the heavier songs, let's be honest, from yeah. a from a instrumental point of view. Um, and then, like lyrically, it's just it breaks your heart, right? Yeah. Um, and I could go and talk like hours about like you know my childhood <laughs> and why I'm a bit of a broken person, but um, yeah, I think that song just stood with me and like all the way up and through until now. Even like every time I listen to it, it just tugs on the heartstrings a bit. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's my favorite it's classic. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think it's just, yeah. I remember we went on like a, a high school excursion. Yeah. Listening to this all the way through and just listening to Stay Together for the Kids like over yeah. and over and over. And it was a single. And I remember the music video was like dark. It was probably one of the first dark music videos they had. Obviously mm-hmm. Untitled came out and they had some like down and, 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 and stuff like that on there. But I remember it was like they were, it was like all CGI kind of, and they were playing in a house and the house kind of starts like breaking and it's like, yeah. fuck man, as an emo kid, like that, that song hits you, man. Yeah, totally. I can't oh. believe we both had the same song. Uh, actually, yeah, like I, I got goosebumps. I was like, fuck, surely not. He's picking this song. Like I've met, never met anyone that picks this song as their favorite Blink song. No, it's totally, oh, that was the. That was a lock straight away. As soon as we started yeah. doing the episode, I was like, I know my number one. I had I had three locks. It was that one, first date, and actually Anthem Part Two. Yeah. But that's just because I think they're my favorite songs on that album, and it's my favorite album. And then the rest, I was like, you know what? I think Carousel actually fits in before Anthem. Mm-hmm. And all the small things just had to get a feature. Yeah. I tried to. St- I like. I love all the signal singles, but I yeah. just kind of. They're not my favorites. Like, I love them. They're not up there in my favorites. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk me? Do you have any special mentions here? Because I think I've got a few that I almost want to talk to just as much as we just spoke to those. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I've got two honorable mentions from um, before, or like before April shampoo. So M&M's and Josie. I still love yeah. Josie as well. So I oh, have it's Josie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Eminem's, I just love that film clip where they're like running yeah. and just getting shot out with like paintballs and stuff. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, 
Stockholm Syndrome is another one of Unfollowed. <sighs> yeah. That's it. Yeah, it's a good track. Yeah. Um, and then two, I guess they're singles, two, like Man Overboard. Yeah. As you before, like it's just another epic track. And yep. I actually really love Not Now. Which oh, is yeah. One greatest hits. Yeah. Um, I thought those two those two singles were actually really good. Or the two songs were good additions. Yeah. To, to the greatest. What was the other one? Another girl. Uh, another girl. Um, another. That's song. a banger. It's a. Yeah, it's a banger. I, yeah, that's a really good song. Um, my special mentions. Um, I'm going to start with one that you're going to hate me for, and let's get that out of the way. It's "Blame It on My Youth" off Nine. Okay. Um, that that song's a banger, and like I'm going to stick to my guns and say if that was written or sung by Not Blink, it would be considered a, a bigger banger. I think. Okay. Um, Dysentery Gary. Yeah, that was... Any of the state. That song, just every time it comes on, I'm just like, oh, fuck, this song's on, you know? And I, I kind of turn it up or I'll check my phone and, and, and start it again or something. Like, every time it comes on, I'm like, fuck, this song's so good. Yeah. Um, I had Down as well. Yeah. I think I can't, you, I can't have that off my list. I think it's, it's a fucking ballad and a half and you just want to sing it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, it's very sad and I love that. Um, and the last one, last two I had, um, have a bit of a theme. So the last one is, or second last one is all of this featuring Robert Smith off, um, self-titled. Obviously I'm a big Cure fan. And mm-hmm. so I remember when that song came out, I was like, or when I got the album and I was listening to it, I didn't know the features cause I, whatever, I was listening to it. Yeah. And I remember listening to it with my dad and we we're both like, fuck, I didn't realize Robert Smith was on this album. Right. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was just a really cool, cool thing. And it's probably not their best song, but just his voice. And then, you know, it cuts to Tom afterwards. I was, I'm just, they're so different, but, um, I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. My fifth song actually isn't a recorded song at all. It's a YouTube thing and it's a live song they did. Um, but in the same vein, um, it's Blink-182 covering the Cure when they did A Letter to Elise. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if you've heard them do the cover, but it's really good. And although it's not like a recording, I needed to talk about it one way or another because yeah. like that little, I don't know how that happened. Right. I still don't know how the cure and blink started working together, but um, yeah, it's, it's a banger and, and I love the cure and that song is one of my favorite cure songs and blink do it justice. Absolutely. I think they haven't done many covers in their time, so it's pretty special. Yeah. And um, yeah. I probably need to find, I need to like rip it or something off YouTube so I can listen to it easily. <laughs> yeah, pop it on your phone. Yeah. But yeah, that's good. Good cool. good rankings, good lists. Well, that was Blink. Um, I still can't believe we had the same number one song. <laughs> I kind of had a, well, that was my luck. I had a feeling we'd be, we'd be close. I knew you'd have it in your top five. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm really happy. Happy with yeah. that list. Yeah, it's a good list. I can't wait to listen to them back. Um, I got to put them all on the playlist too. It's going to be a very blink heavy playlist this week. Yeah, because <laughs> I think there's a lot of songs to cover through. Yeah. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, please don't forget to follow, subscribe, and leave a review and rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at press.con.pod on both platforms. We love the feedback and the combos that um, that are generated. Yeah. from these episodes so um keep hitting us up hit us up on 
on the Instagram page, on the Facebook, and yeah. even our personal uh, socials if you've got them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think um, just to echo that, I just want to say like some of the convos we've had have been some of the most wholesome, you know, fun convos I've had with people since we've been doing the pod. Um, just talking to people about, you know, our experiences with music and theirs, it's just been so great to hear. So, yeah, please reach out. Um, I love a chat. So, we love a chat. So, yeah. Yeah. Tell us your top five. Yes, I want to hear that too. I mean, they've got a big one, so big discography. So, let us know. Great. All right. I'll catch you next time. Chat to you then. Bye.